Jason and Robin Ebayer, I assume that's how you say that, but as they reach out and minister among the Asian Pacific Rim people group, I pray that they would be encouraged by God's work in people like T as they reach the lost people of the village. I encourage you to take some time and read that and hear what Jason and Robin are doing. It's amazing work of, of what they're doing out in the Pacific Rim area. But also, don't forget, uh, you can uh, give your offering either here in the front or in the back when you leave, as well as online. And you can, uh, if you need the number for, uh, to, uh, for those at home who need the number for, you know, listen in through the telephone, we can uh, send you that through message. But also, I want to encourage you, uh, parents, uh, kids, and youth, we have some uh, Easter devotionals that we are giving out. Um, it's called Awaken. It's a 21-day Easter de devotional. And so if you have young kids or uh, students in the, in the group, I want to encourage you to uh, stop by, get one per family, that, something that you can do together as a family when it comes to preparing your hearts and minds as we celebrate Easter this week. It's called Awaken. It's put out by YM360, which is the same group that uh, does generate the camp that we're going to uh, this summer. So uh, see me after service. I have a few of those if you want one. But before... Uh, but before that, yeah, just please let me know. We can get more if we run out. But let's go to the Lord in prayer and pray for Jason and Robin. God, we want to come before you and we want to pray for our missionaries who are serving you in other countries. And Father, even here at home in the States. God, we want to lift up to you Jason and Robin as they are among the Asian Pacific Rim people. God, you know the needs and the things that they struggle with. God, we pray uh, that as they share the gospel, Father, Lord, that you would just help them communicate clearly. Uh, the message, God, that you would save the people there. God, draw them close to you. And God, I pray too, if there's some here today who are seeking and praying what it is direction that you are leading them, maybe you're calling them in a ministry, calling them into missions. God, I pray that they would answer that call. God, I pray for those who are on the front lines of doing uh, just mission work in, in difficult places where their life is in danger. God, we pray for their protection. God, we pray that you would just give them wisdom and discernment on how to do ministry there. God, be with them and help them, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Okay, as we sing our next hymn, take your hymnals or sing from the screens. But your hymn number will be 184, Jesus is all the world to me. Yeah. 
Children's Church will be gathering over on the piano side during this next hymn. Stand with us as we sing, and I've been told a lot this week that that's their favorite hymn, Victory in Jesus. So stand with us and let's sing Victory in Jesus. That'll be hymn 426. <clears throat> Miss Pat? Yeah. 
shared with you this, this morning, uh, Brother Matt Ledbetter is coming to preach for us. Uh, be praying for him as he comes to preach what God has laid on his heart to share with us. And so, Brother Ledbetter. Thank you. Good morning, Highland. Good to see you today. Thank you for the invite uh, on behalf of your pastor to come and speak to you today. And Brother Mike, Victory in Jesus is my favorite hymn. All right. All right. Uh, we are glad to be with you today. I do bring you greetings from the 41 churches and two mission churches of the Duck River Baptist Association. I am just getting back from Mexico. We got back on Thursday evening. Myself, Tim McGeehee, pastor of Grace Baptist, Hanaro Oriana, who's our Hispanic missionary and pastor of Iglesia Gracia, was also with us, as well as um, another guy, Stephen Winton, who goes to Encounter Life Church. We spent eight days in Mexico. And we'll be sharing more of those uh, pictures and videos and stuff in the coming days. You can follow us on our associational Facebook page and see a lot of those pictures as well. Duck River Association of Baptist Churches and see those pictures uh, from that trip down there. My wife Lana is with us as well this morning. She and I have been married 29 years. We have one daughter. Her name is Danielle. Danielle just turned 28 on Friday. I know we don't look that old, but we do have a 28-year-old daughter now. Uh, and she lives in Lynchburg, Virginia. So we're a little bit farther away from her than, uh, than we're used to. But uh, she and her family got three youngins. And, and I always forget to mention a son-in-law. We have a son-in-law uh, that is down there as well. What's his name, honey? Josh. That's right, Josh. So, um, but uh, we love our family. We love our daughter, love our son-in-law and our, and our grandkids. Uh, it took us a long time to be able to say, can I show you a picture of my grandkids? So if you want to see that, we can show you that later on. Uh, tonight, I'll be back again this evening at 6 o'clock, and I'm going to be talking to you more about the ministries of the Duck River Association. Hanaro Oriana, who was the pastor of Iglesia Gracia, but also your Hispanic missionary in the Duck River Association will be here as well, and he's going to speak to you tonight as well. We'll be done by 12, I promise. Some of y'all will get that after a while. All right. 
Uh, and while you're turning to Acts chapter 16, I want to just uh, bring something to your attention. I noticed in your bulletin uh, it says something about disaster relief training coming to our area. I'll be on the phone tomorrow with the director of Baptist Men uh, for uh, disaster relief in Tennessee. Uh, we have a phone call scheduled for tomorrow to set a date for disaster relief training in our association somewhere around April or May. So if you're interested in being uh, trained in disaster relief, we'll have more information on that in the coming days. We also had a men's night of worship a few weeks ago, 163 men from across the association gathered for a night of worship. I know you had something scheduled that night. We had to reschedule because we had a little snow on the ground the first time. Y'all remember that snowstorm? The snow, I think that was the storm of the century, right? All right, I hope we we'll never see another flake of snow ever again. But uh, we're going to have a women's night of worship. It'll be Saturday, April the 13th. So ladies, write that down. A lady by the name of Kathy Acuff, member of one of our churches here in the association, is going to be speaking that night. Uh, we have the praise team from Encounter Life Church is going to be leading the worship time. And it's going to be on April 13th, 6 o'clock at Estill Springs First Baptist. And um, the, the, the topic for that night is going to be winning the war with the word. And I think you're going to enjoy that night uh, as women from all over the Duck River Association get together to have a women's night of worship. Well, let's dive on into the word today. And I'm going to be speaking to you on this subject this morning, compelled. From Acts chapter 16, beginning at verse number 6, we're going to be looking at uh, just a blip, just a little small piece of ministry of the life of Paul, but it is a very vital piece of information that I don't want us to miss from these five verses here. So Acts chapter 16, beginning at verse 6, it says, Now when they, that's Paul and his crew, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they'd come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he'd seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Father, as we dive into your word today, may we be captured by the word. Not the preacher of the word, but the preaching of the word. Thank you for sharing with us your heart, sharing with us history, sharing with us your story on written page. You've given this to us to help us in our daily walk down here, to encourage us when things are tough and to strengthen us when things are going great. And, uh, and this is a guidebook for us. We want to learn more from you this day. So Lord, I would pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. And if there be someone here today that needs to make a decision for you, may this be the day that they do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love the 1990s TV show Home Improvement. Any Home Improvement fans? Tim, y'all remember Tim the Tool Man? What was his favorite thing to do? Ugh, had the grunt. You remember Tim? Tim the Tool Man. 
And the first season of Home Improvement, by the way, I have all eight seasons on DVD. I watch it every day. Ask my wife. Every day I watch Home You don't get good, wholesome TV shows like that anymore. In the first season, Tim and his youngest son, Mark, are working on a birdhouse. And they're putting all this intricacies into the birdhouse. And young Mark says, Dad, when is this thing going to start looking like a birdhouse? And Tim says... Soon, son, very soon, remember God is in the details. I want to give us a little background real quick on chapter 16 and what's happening here. Paul is going to receive the call through a vision to go over to this region known as Macedonia over in, in Greece. Macedonia is located on mainland Greece. We know that Philippi and Thessalonica are two cities that are located there. Paul is currently in Troas, in the region of Mysia, over in Asia Minor. Greece is European soil. Paul is in Asia, Greece is in Europe. Going to Macedonia was now going to take the gospel to another continent, to Europe. Paul's ministry had been almost exclusively in Asia Minor, and in this trip through Asia Minor, he's going to add another team member, a young man by the name of Timothy. You go back to verse number 1 in Acts 16, it says, He came to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy. Now it says his mother was Jew, but his father was Greek. Now that may seem like an innocuous piece of information until you get on down to verse number 9. And you understand that Paul is going to head into what territory? Greece. That becomes a very important piece of information. So Timothy is both Jewish and he is Greek. And John MacArthur said having access to both cultures was an indispensable asset for missionary service. Two of the guys went with us on the trip this week, uh, Hanaro and Stephen, both speak English and Spanish. That's a pretty good thing to be able to do when you go into Mexico on a mission trip. I have trouble with English, much less Spanish. Amen? Don't ever forget, God's in the details. It wasn't just that so happened they ran into Timothy. God was working the details out as they're leaving European soil, or leaving Asian soil, going to European soil. They're going to need somebody with the Greek culture. Acts chapter 16 is a turning point for the spread of the gospel. It's this move onto European soil that ultimately gets the gospel to, to you and I right here in Tennessee some 2,000 years later. This story is the story of the magnificent work of God. It's not only the story of where and how God is working, but I hope it's my duty today to get us to see the when, the timing, the urgency of reaching people with the gospel, the urgency of here I am, send me. I'm an old army veteran. I was a tank driver for Bravo Company 3rd Battalion, 70th Armor Regiment of the 5th Infantry Division in wonderful, beautiful Fort Polk, Louisiana. In my hours and days and months of training and combat preparedness, one of the major principles we were constantly reminded of was the importance of timing. Because in warfare, timing is everything. And when called upon to go, there was no negotiating, no time for ex excuses, and procrastination meant certain failure. So today I want us to take note of 
uh, of three things to help us in our time in the Word together. First of all, we're going to talk about the importance of following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Then we're going to talk about not getting sidetracked. And number three, and most importantly, it's all about the gospel. So are you ready for the message today? Say amen. All right, first of all, take note of the importance of following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. The importance of following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. This is something, no doubt, that every pastor, every teacher should emphasize. It is a biblical principle that cannot be emphasized enough in the church. God gave us His Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation to help guide us and grow us in our walk with Him. We see that played out right here in our text this morning. God had a plan. And that plan did not involve staying over in Asia. Go back to the text and let's look again at verses 6 and 7. It says, When they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by who? The Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. You get down to verse 7. After they'd come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but... The Holy Spirit did not permit them. God had a plan. God had a place. God had a direction. And it was across the Aegean Sea in the new place called Greece. The new area Paul was going to on European soil. And Paul, being the man of God he was, knew that God was now changing their course. God was shutting one door, but he was opening another. And being led by the Holy Spirit, Paul was ready to go wherever it was, do whatever was necessary, and go whenever he was called upon to be at the center of God's will. And we see that played out throughout the, the whole span of the Apostle Paul's life. Every part of his life we see God's will in his life. You know, just a few weeks ago we lost a great man by the name of Henry Blackaby. Anybody ever do Henry Blackaby's study, Experiencing God, or any other studies by him? Great, great uh, study. The first reality, those seven realities of experiencing God, is what? God is always at work. God never takes a break. God never takes a nap. God never says, I'm too busy, leave me alone. God is always at work. Dr. Blackaby emphasized in this reality that we must find where God is at work and do what? Join. Amen. Amen. Join him. Find where he is at work and then join him there. You know, we've got this backward in many of our churches today. I, bet I was a pastor for 24 years before God moved me into this position as director of missions. Here's what the typical church does. We pick a plan or a project or we come up with an idea and then we ask God to bless it. And then when that project or that plan fails, someone will say something like, well, that must not have been the Lord's will. And my answer every single time has been, duh. In Matthew 6, Jesus says for us to do what? Seek first the kingdom of God. And then he'll add all of these other things to us. We miss the mark so many times of being and doing what he wants because we make his, his will more of a secondary thought or maybe a game show lifeline, which leads us to what I believe is the biggest problem in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ today, the lack of prayer. I appreciate the fact that in the first 10 minutes of church service this morning, we had done prayed twice here. 
Amen. Don't take that for granted, by the way. That's a big deal for churches to spend time in prayer. But at many Baptist churches, prayer is reduced to something we do maybe just to start service, to bless an offering, or to get us out the door as quickly as possible so we can beat the Methodists to the restaurant. That's kind of how it works in many churches today. We can host a concert. We can host a theatrical event at our churches. And many times people come out of the woodworks. But you call a church to prayer. Try to have prayer meeting. And many times the pews are stained with absence. And, and we wonder why 82% of Southern Baptist churches are stagnant or declining. 82%. As a matter of fact, statistics are showing right now that about a thousand Southern Baptist churches will close their doors this year. We have churches in this association that are at that very risk. 10 to 15 percent are at risk of dying today. We've got to quit fighting the Holy Spirit for control of our churches and just let go, let God have His will and His way. Quit this silver bullet, one more good idea mentality that hamstrings our churches and just get back to following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Amen? All right, so our first point is we've got to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Number two, second thing to take note of is don't get sidetracked. Verses 8 through 10 leads us to what I believe is the meat of the message, the win of the message. Look at verse number 8. Look at the situation here. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. They've now reached this western coast of Asia Minor. I believe as Paul is praying and seeking the Lord's will, maybe even standing looking over the Aegean Sea and maybe in the distance can see European soil, God's going to give Paul this vision. He's going to give Paul this, this dream in the night about why he shut the door in verses 6 and 7. Because in verse number, nine, it said, verse number 9, it says, A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now this is the second of six visions that Paul receives. This was one of the ways God chose to reveal to Paul about the direction they needed to go, God's plan for expanding the gospel west, westward and eventually getting the gospel to you and me today. Now, when you and I are in tune with God, He'll give us direction and He'll do it by whatever means necessary. It could be like Paul. He give you and I a vision, a, a dream in the night. God still speaks that way. By the way, it says in the end times he will give young, young men shall see visions and old men shall dream dreams. It could be through time in the word. It could be through a focused time of prayer, seeking the Lord's will for, uh, for direction. God often speaks through other people. God will speak to you from this place right here, Sunday after Sunday. We must remember that God is in the details, and God doesn't want us to get sidetracked. We, we've got to remember the logistics of Paul going to Greece, by the way. He doesn't just load up the family station wagon and take off. It doesn't happen that way. Things have to be put into motion, has to be set in order for to know where he could travel safely. He was going to need map assistance. He's going to have to acquire transportation to make that journey over to European soil. 
but God already had all of this planned and prepared. I, it, I know it's a cliche, it's an old saying, but I, I believe it's true. Where God guides, God provides. Don't forget, God is in the details. If you don't, if you don't remember anything else today, just remember that. God is in the details. So Paul, in this vision, sees this man of Macedonia pleading, begging for him to come over and help. And he awakes from this vision, and we find the key thought, the key word, I believe, for Highland Baptist Church in this passage today. Look at verse number 10. After Paul had seen the vision, what's that next word? What is it? Immediately. Immediately, we sought to go to Macedonia. When Paul recognized the guiding hand of God and sensed in his spirit the urgency of the call, he began making plans at once. I think it's important to note that Paul didn't him haul around, waiting on God to do something else, show another sign. He was on a mission. He was on task. He was ready at a moment's notice to answer the next call. Think about procrastination for a minute. There's another story uh, that takes place in Scripture when Philip is preaching this great uh, revival in Acts chapter 8. And the Spirit draws him away to go down into the desert. He's preaching this great revival, but he wants Philip to go down into the desert. And he runs into who? The Ethiopian eunuch. What if, Paul, what, what if Philip had said, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm doing something great over here. I don't have time to go down here. We would have missed a whole great story and the opportunity for that gospel message to get to that Ethiopian eunuch and then to the continent of Africa. Folks, our opportunity, our open door, our calling to be the heart, the hands, the feet of Jesus is right now. Not tomorrow. Our calling is not tomorrow, our calling is today. We are to be on the move in our service for the Lord. Here I am doesn't mean here I am when I get ready. Here I am doesn't mean here I am when I find time or when I retire or when the church or the pastor comes up with another great plan or the SBC comes up with another great strategy. It means that I stand ready to answer the call now. It means that I'm already in the trenches. I'm already on the move. I'm already looking for the moving, guiding hand of God digging in my heels in service for the Lord. Our mission field is all around us. It begins right here at the doors of the church and it spreads out. It begins at the front door of your house and it spreads out. That means on my job, in my community, in the school, down at the store, when I'm on vacation, I am always ready to be used by Him. It means we must constantly and consistently be looking for ways we can reach people wherever we are. We cannot just hold ourselves up inside the church or inside of our little spiritual cocoons and wait for some poor lost soul to come wandering in and, and accidentally get saved at church one Sunday. That's sometimes how we feel that it works. But it doesn't work that way. Can I tell you right now, according to statistics that I've read recently, the counties of the Duck River Baptist Association, our three counties, have been identified on average as 75% unreached. 75% unreached. You say, that sounds high. Actually, some places say that's a little low. 
Lana and I drive by Walmart just about every Sunday morning on the way to church somewhere. Walmart's doing just fine on Sunday mornings. Actually saw coming back, we go to Grace Baptist Church at early service on Sunday morning. Somebody was cutting a tree down in their front yard this morning. Traffic was busy. Restaurants were full. Right here where we live in the buckle of the Bible Belt, 75% unreached. We can be on mission right here. And I'm saying that having just come back from Mexico. But I have said for the years that I've been leading mission trips, I've led about 15 foreign mission trips now, that I won't let anybody go on a mission trip with me unless they do something in their own community first. You do a local mission project, and then I'll let you go on a mission trip with me because missions starts where I am, not where I'm going. Give me an amen right there. All right, one person amen me on that. All right. It helps us to understand the urgency of the situation. We've got to find where God wants us to work, to look at the needs of the community and then get at it. And the longer we wait, the longer we procrastinate, the more we get sidetracked looking at what we can do for ourselves, the more effort we expend fighting amongst ourselves, arguing over insignificant stuff, the more people in our communities die without Christ. I've always said, if, if the church that I'm pastoring votes to paint the walls purple with pink polka dots, if I vote against it but it passes, I'll help paint the polka dots. Because that's an insignificant thing. A pink polka dot is not going to keep somebody from going to hell. What will keep somebody from going to hell is sharing the message of the gospel. God opened a door to previous church for us. We pastored a little church way up in the mountains of North Carolina. God opened the door to local school for us. Lon and I began to substitute in that little school. It was a K-12 school. Actually, it was pre-K through 12 school. The entire school from pre-K to 12th grade had about 300 students. God opened a door for us to be able to volunteer in that school. And then I started coaching high school baseball. And then I coached middle school basketball, which is a miracle in itself because I can't dribble and chew gum at the same time. Then folks in our church began to volunteer at the school and then they began to substitute at the school and they began to coach at the school and before we knew it teachers were being saved the students were being saved it became a fishing hole for us and folks in my church said we don't care how much time you spend down there whatever's going on it's working and we saw God do a great thing we had to plan we had to prepare we had to pray but we were ready at a moment's notice to be doing what we needed to do to serve at all times to serve in any capacity in order to be uh, making a difference with the message of the gospel so we've got to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit we can't get sidetracked but then the most important part of the message and this is where we'll close today it's all about the gospel let me put it this way it's always all the time about the gospel if you write anything else down today write that down it's always all the time about the gospel in verse number 10 Paul said after we had seen the vision immediately we sought to go to Macedonia what concluding that the Lord had called us to feed the hungry. That God had called us to clothe the naked. That God had called us to go help their feelings get better. God, they, he concluded that God called us to do what? Preach the gospel. 
Let me say it again. It's always, all the time, about the gospel. If we're building a ramp for someone, it's a gateway to preach the gospel. If we're feeding someone that's hungry, it's a gateway to preach the gospel. If we're repairing a roof for someone, it's a gateway to preach the gospel. If we're on mission in Coffee County, Tennessee, in the U.S., around the world, it's always an opportunity to preach the gospel. Folks say, what would you do when you were in Mexico? Did you build houses? Did you feed people? What would you do? We went down there, and all we did for the last eight days is preach the gospel. That's what we did. We had a pastor's conference, pastor and church leaders conference the last day we were uh, down in the little first town we were working in and we were helping those pastors and those church church leaders in that area prepare to preach the gospel. Because it's always, all the time about the gospel. If we as a church do something for someone and it's void of the gospel, we've done nothing more than a governmental service can do for them. I'm not saying do away with good works. But good works lead to the good news. Amen? If we leave the gospel message out of anything we've, that we've done, we've nothing more than a glorified social services. We are not a people of good works. We are a people of good news. A full belly, a steady wheelchair ramp, a patched up roof will not get someone into heaven, but it can lead to that with the hope of the good news. A pat on the back, or a clear conscience will never take the place of a missed opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus. One of the greatest things I love about disaster relief, and I've been on a bunch of disaster relief trips in my lifetime, is that opportunity where you pull a tree off somebody's house, or you mud out the mud from their house, or you cut out the sheetrock of that house, or you put a tarp over that house, and you stand in their yard, and at the end of that, that job, at the end of that day, you stand there with that person and you say, we're not here as Tennessee Baptists, we're here as children of God. And we want you to know that what we've done for you today, we do because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. He gave everything for us so that we can give, come and give a little bit for you. And the greatest thing we can do for you right now is to tell you why we're here. We're here to share with you the message of the gospel. And if we forget to do that, if we forget to share the message of the gospel, I'm not saying they're going to receive it. They may not listen to another word you say, but we have the responsibility to sow the seed. So that if another company comes down, another group comes down, and they see them again, and they hear the message of the gospel, all that's going to happen is they're going to water that seed that's already been planted. We pray, we work, we serve, we minister with the hope for the opportunity to reach one more person with the message of the gospel. Can I tell you, folks? It's all going to come to an end one day. You know, we're not promised tomorrow. I'm not talking about just in your individual life, in my individual life. We're not promised tomorrow. This world is not promised tomorrow. You know, Jesus doesn't even know when he's coming back. Only God the Father knows. And one of these days, God's going to say, son, go get him. And it'll be over like that. A lot of folks have put their hope that, well, you know what, uh, I'll just get saved in the tribulation, or I'll just, maybe my family will get saved in the tribulation, maybe my co-worker will get saved in the tribulation. You know what the Bible says about the tribulation? They're going to have their eyes blinded, and they're going to have their ears deafened, and they'll not hear the message of the gospel. But you know what, even more than that, that co-worker, that friend, that family member may not live till tomorrow. 
we have got the responsibility to share the message of the gospel with them. So when we pray that prayer, here I am, Lord, for years as a pastor, after every Sunday service, at the end of the service, when we started the invitation time, I always led our church to pray that prayer. By the way, you're going to do that today. Lord, here I am. Help me, Lord, to be on task for you. Help me, Lord, to be on mission for you. Lord, here I am to say, show, to say, show me where you want me to be, what you want me to do, what you want me to say when I enter the mission field today. But we must never forget the rest of the phrase, here I am, Lord, send me. Highland Baptist Church, you stand at a crossroads today. I stand at a crossroads today. Every Christian stands at a crossroads today. What will I do with the call God has placed on my life? And I hope that is to say, here I am, Lord, send me. With heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around, I want you to pray that prayer as our musicians prepare to come and lead us in our final song today and our time of reflection and invitation. Would you just pray that simple prayer today, Lord, here I am. I've got family and friends that are lost. I've got co-workers and schoolmates that are lost. I've got neighbors and, and folks down at the store where I frequent that are lost. Lord, here I am. Would you just give me that heart that Paul had? Would you just give me that heart that Jesus had for people? So that I could be on task for you to realize that when your Holy Spirit pokes me in the ribs, that I'll not push that away, but I realize that you're provoking me to take an opportunity to share the message of the good news. Lord, here I am. Matt's going to be standing down front here. If you today need something to, you have something you want to pray with him about. Maybe you need to be saved today. You realize today the greatest need for you is not, here I am, send me. It might be, here I am, save me. And you want the Lord to come into your heart, change your life, and give you a new path to walk on. Matt's going to be standing down front today. Lord, as we dive into this invitation time, would you help us, Lord, to see what you want us to see? make the decision you want us to make so that when we walk away from this place we will realize the urgency of being on mission for you in jesus name we pray
Jason comes to give us some announcements. I got uh, one brief one. Uh, remember next Sunday, I was about to say Saturday, next Sunday uh, we will be having our second VBS training and the focus of that training is going to be how to share Jesus with the child, how to lead a child to Christ. And so I want to encourage you to be uh, here for that. Even if you're not able to help us with VBS this year, but this would be a great training for you to be at uh, to understand you know, how to lead someone to Christ, especially a child to Christ, and maybe even your child to Christ. There's no greater blessing, I believe, than a parent can have than to lead their child to Christ. And thank you, Pastor Matt, or Pastor Ledbetter, uh, for you know, this opportunity as he came to, to preach. I was reminded of the opportunities of, that I lost this week when I should have stepped up and shared the gospel. Um, you know, we probably all have those moments this past week. We could look back on like, man, I should have done something. But hey, you got another week. You got new opportunities. God is with you. You know, be faithful. Share Jesus with someone this week. Share Jesus with someone today. If you're going to a restaurant, you got a waiter or waitress who needs to hear the gospel. Make that why you're going, not for the food. So, uh, Jason, you come and share with us our announcement. got a few things to go over. Um, I know I told the youth this morning that they're meeting at 4.30, but youth are like men. They don't often hear us the first time. So parents, youth meet at 4.30 this afternoon. Um, speaking of that, uh, Pastor Ledbetter, thank you for the message. You know, we all, we all hear different things uh, during the sermon. What I heard, fellas, is that when your wife gives you that honeydew list this spring, uh, of everything that needs to be done, you tell her, that's not going to get me to heaven. <laughs> you, you tell her that, you might be going there a whole lot sooner, though. Um, but without, without further uh, announcements that we have, um, Ms. Imogene and her family sent us a letter of thanks. Um, it has a poem, uh, so I'll read this, and it'll also be posted on the bulletin um, in the hallway there. Perhaps you sent a lovely card or sat quietly in a chair. Perhaps you sent a funeral spray. If so, we saw it there. Perhaps you spoke the kindest words as any friend could say. Perhaps you were not there at all, just thought of us that day. Whatever you did to console our hearts, we thank you so very much, whatever the part. Thank you so much for your kindness shown during our loss. It will never be forgotten. And then love Imogene and her family. Um, so this letter will be out there on the bulletin board. Um, and with that, uh, just a reminder that Rosalie Moore's service is tomorrow here from 11 to 1. Uh, the burial is at Maplewood uh, following the dinner for the family um, is right after that. And anyone bringing desserts, have them here by noon tomorrow. Um, the services for Marlon Bates is being finalized today, so we'll get that information out you, to you whenever we know that. Um, and just please be uh, in constant prayer for their families. Um, uh, a lot of loss this week. Um, let's go ahead and bow our heads. And uh. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us. You, gave, you give us opportunity day by day to go out and spread your name and your gospel. Uh, please be with uh, us as we come back tonight. Please be with the families of all those who are grieving. Give them peace. Uh, but most of all, give them hope that they will be reunited again. In your heavenly name we pray. Amen.
Uh, don't forget, parents, uh, if you want the Easter Devo, uh, come see me.